what a difference one year makes. This episode of the Rising Tide Talent Show is going to be a bit more woo than others that I've recorded, but it is from the heart. It's something I really want to talk with you about. And I hope that this message will resonate with you, whether you are currently struggling with burnout and you're looking for a way out, or if you're doing really well and want to celebrate that journey along with me. So I'm talking about burnout one year later today on the Rising Tide Talents Show. Rising Tide lifts all ships, it lifts all ships, it lifts all ships. The Rising Tide lifts all ships, it lifts all ships, it lifts all ships. Well, here comes the rising, the rising There's no outline today, no plan. It really is just me speaking from my heart. One year ago, almost to the day of recording this episode, I was deep in burnout. I don't know that I had the word burnout so ingrained in my head as I do now. I just knew that everything felt wrong. And Everybody else around me had started to pick up on it at this point as well. When I was really getting into the middle stages of burnout, I was acting out. I was acting out at work. I was acting out at home, everywhere. And some of the symptoms that I personally experienced, again, I now know that these are pretty classic telltale signs of burnout or of anxiety that has gone beyond the standard, I can just push through it. I can work through it. This is the type of superpower anxiety. No, no. This was painful for me. And as hard as it is to recognize and share this, I know that it was hard for people that I deeply care about and that had my best interests in mind. But I think that I was a difficult person to be around this time last year. And some of the symptoms I've shared before, but I'll articulate again here. I cried all the time. I'm a crier. I'm a happy crier. I'm a sad crier. I'm a frustrated crier, but I'm not an all the time crier. And when I was really cresting that hill of burnout before the precipitous fall that I experienced a few months later, I was crying all the time, crying in my car to work, crying on my in the car on the way home from work, crying at home because I felt like I wasn't showing up for my family, crying at home because I felt like I wasn't showing up for my team, even though I was spending so much of my time and energy on work projects. And it, that vicious cycle also meant that I had almost no patience for anything or anyone. And I had other physical symptoms as well. I had massively painful headaches that I thought were migraines. My family has a history of migraines and headaches. And I just thought, oh, well, this is, I'm in my 40s now. This is what happens. I'm experiencing these hormonal changes. And, and probably yes, and, but these headaches were almost constant. I remember I got to a point where I was Googling how much ibuprofen can you take? How 
long can you take ibuprofen before you need a break? I really was worried that my near daily dose of ibuprofen along with my morning vitamins and along with my other supplements, I sort of knew like, this isn't normal. Should I go see a neurologist? Like what is happening? But also, by the way, crying all the time probably didn't help the headaches that I was experiencing. And I also had really crippling fatigue, like constant fatigue, but terrible insomnia. And I got to this point, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, where I was almost too tired to sleep. And so I would be awake late into the night and I would be awake early in the morning, but I was never actually resting or getting the sleep that I needed. I was depleted all the time. And the irony is I would get to the weekend and I would still be working by the way, but I would spend time in bed with the covers pulled up to my chin, watching TV or with a book next to me so that I could read when I was ready. But I would often still have my laptop out on my lap or sitting on my chest and I would call it noodling to my husband. Don't worry, I'm I'm just noodling. Just doing a little work. I just want to get ahead before Monday. And I would let myself do all of the things that I know now were were not even anybody pushing me to break boundaries, but me just not ever holding or respecting the boundaries myself. And I in this last year, I've done a lot of really deep work on myself, why that is a personality trait of mine and um, how I can be a better advocate for myself and set and hold boundaries and articulate those boundaries to other people. Because by the way, flash forward, when I now create boundaries for myself and I share them with people, my clients, my team, my colleagues, my friend, my family, they are incredibly respectful of them. So I have to tell you, so much of what I went through was impacted by my environment, was impacted by people around me. But I 100% take responsibility for not recognizing my own role earlier. And I know now that I could have saved myself a lot of stress and drama and trauma. And if you were to ask me like, Katie, why do you, why won't you just shut up about burnout? Like it's been a year. You can't stop talking about how happy you are and how fulfilled you are and how great your life is. And yes, that is all true. But the fall into burnout is one of those cliched, if it could happen to me, it could happen to you stories, or it could happen to somebody that you love and care about. And so I won't stop talking about it because I am a survivor and I both got pushed into survivorship um, because choices were made on my behalf or or were thrust upon me where I didn't have a say in the matter. And also I have to give myself credit for saying like this can't really get a lot worse. Or if it does, it's gonna be it, it won't be fixable. And so I will continue to talk about this. And also because so many of you who hear this story, I think you recognize yourself in it. And if you are listening to this and you are still feeling symptoms like what I've described or your own personal symptoms of burnout and anxiety and feeling lost or even worse than feeling lost, feeling trapped, even if you've created the trap yourself and created the trap, you put yourself in it, you shut the door, you lock the door, (laughs) you know instinctively and intellectually that you probably have the power to unlock that trap. 
I want you to hear from me that it truly does get better and feel better in all of this overwhelm and anxiety and helplessness that you may be feeling right now. I want you to know that you don't deserve to stay there. So I I get a little emotional talking about it because every single time I talk about burnout and my experience and my mental health journey and, um, excuse me, what it feels like now, uh, there is always somebody who responds to me and says, thank you because I don't think I felt seen or felt heard or I knew um, that this could happen to somebody else and um, and it can and it does. And unfortunately, burnout is a very common experience right now for a lot of people. And it doesn't help that we've worked through a pandemic and we've parented through a pandemic and, and all of these things. Um, but I, I do hear you and I do see you. So that got really dark and deep and sad, but I also want to recognize for those of you who may be saying like, yeah, I have, I have some of that. Like I feel that it's, but like work is stress. Life is stress. I have a lot of bright spots. Well, so did I. And so I can't share my story, especially I can't reflect one year later on how different everything is for me, how joyful and how balanced and how happy and how fulfilling. Like I can't, I can't tell you about that and pretend that every single day of my time while experiencing burnout was terrible because it certainly was not. I had so many bright spots and incredible times and I learned so much and I would not trade that. I would not trade that. I would not go back and erase that part of my experience because I also came out a much better entrepreneur, a much better marketer, I have a much more clear understanding of my leadership skills and also my weaknesses. And and this year has really been me immersing myself in trying to become a better leader because I see where I failed myself, but I probably also failed those around me. And I have a lot of, of feelings around that. But during the year, during the year where I really was in burnout and since there have been so many happy times. I made friendships that still fuel me to this day. I had family adventures that every time my camera roll shows me a flashback or social media takes me back to one of those family adventures, I'm I'm so happy and I see how happy I was. I had absolutely life-changing work adventures. I mean, I took a trip to Mexico very shortly before I took a mental health sabbatical to deal with my burnout. And that trip, even though it came at truly the height, the peak of my burnout experience, it's in the top five travel experiences of of my entire life. So for a while, it was very bad. And for a while, it was very good. And there were highs and lows and nuances to my burnout experience. And so I I share that as well, because I think there is this cliche that when you are in the depths of your burnout or when you are really struggling, like there, nothing can pull you out. And I, I will just say from my experience, 
I don't feel that I experienced depression. I certainly was not clinically diagnosed with depression or any of that. And so it may be a very different experience. I, I share my story to kind of paint a picture and to give you some context and some hope. But I certainly do not want you to think that my burnout experience is the only one. And so if you are in a different place, I really, I'm going to stress this throughout the show. I cannot, I cannot urge you strongly enough to get help, to ask for help. And yes, asking for help is one of the hardest things to do. If you're a high performer, if you are somebody who has really like operated on anxiety is my superpower and my perfectionism is my superpower, like, hi, I'm raising my hand. That's me too. Asking for help is not something that we do very well, but you deserve to get help. And so this is your sign. There is almost no downside to asking for help. And that really is part of what pulled me out and allows me to tell you that a year after this crash into burnout, I could not be in a happier place in my life. And therapy and asking for help certainly, certainly got me here. So burnout, Um, when I say it was bad, it was up and down, but I will tell you that August or October of 2021 were among the darkest times of my life. And they came after a pretty tough May through July. Yes, bright spots, but more dark spots than bright during that time period. And again, August through October through a a confluence of reasons and really an avalanche of things that happened one after another piled on and just like made it really, really heavy. August through October were very, very difficult. And I have talked about that. I've talked about more about burnout and the specifics that led to it and and the specifics that sort of led to this crash that I experienced where I took a sabbatical. Um, I was terminated from my job during that sabbatical and then had to use this time period instead of sort of healing to go back to a job. It ended up being the opportunity I didn't know I needed or I wasn't pursuing, but that allowed me to become a bit of a phoenix and say, okay, I now need to use this time to rebuild and figure it out. And and I shared that actually in the very first episode of this podcast that I released. So if you do want those dirty details, if you want to talk here more about my burnout experience, do feel free to revisit that. But here's the point. Today, I'm recording this in August of 2022. And I... <sighs> emotional again. Um... I'm in an incredible place and I can honestly tell you that I don't take a moment of this life and this feeling for granted. This does not mean that every day is is perfect. I still have struggles and I still have challenges, but they feel much more in line with the hard life like the part of life that should be hard, the part of work that should be hard, the part of parenting that should be hard. I'm not looking for easy. I think I would get bored if it were all too easy, but it is reasonable and balanced and manageable. And so, for example, for the first time probably in my career, I understand what people mean when they say you can work less and make more because I'm experiencing it. I am quite literally working fewer than half the hours that I was this time one year ago. 
I was working for a company at the time. I work for myself now. So there are a lot of changes in ownership of, you know, my, my schedule. I'm allowed to say yes to what I want and no to what I don't want. And so that has certainly played a a significant role. But in doing that, I have been able to prove this concept that extremely smart thought leaders and coaches and consultants have been saying to me personally for years that you can have this balanced life. You can have white space in your day. You can set a schedule that includes joy and rest and breaks and you can bask in your success without immediately looking for the next thing. And I now know that to be true. Like data has proven that that can be true for me. So I know that it can be true for you. You can work less and you can make more. And work less, by the way, doesn't mean that you have to have a four-hour work week. If that's what you want and that's what you can manage and that brings you joy, 100% go for that. I've discovered actually that I need to work more than I thought I did to stay in the game and to stay fulfilled and to stay engaged. But I certainly don't need to work as much as I once thought I did and not nearly as much as I actually did. I also now feel a tremendous sense of pride about what I stand for and what I say. And I've shared on previous episodes the value of a personal brand, the value of um, building your wings on the way down if you have taken a leap or if you've gotten pushed off a cliff. And I have also shared just very transparently that one of my great regrets about my time working in a corporate environment is that I muzzled myself. I truly don't think that I was ever told not to do or not to say anything. Now, there were conversations that made me kind of gauge the risk reward of sharing my personal opinions, whether it was something as incendiary or polarizing as politics or, you know, wellness or things like that, and and even very minor things like pop culture. I know that I really put a muzzle on myself. And now, I understand better that when I do that, like pieces of my soul are damaged in the process. And so I now speak out a lot more um, in what I believe in and I stand behind what I say and I am being more provocative and, and evocative and challenging norms and things I disagree with. And that's still very hard for me to feel like my voice has the authority and value for other people. but. Again, I know that it does because when I do those things, good things happen. I'm also incredibly proud of the work that I've done to become more present as a mom in particular and a wife and a daughter and a friend. I have a lot of work to do on the parenting side because it's hard. You you know it's hard. If you are a parent yourself, if you are not, you know that this is the most important job and it is also the one that truly feels 24/7 and I'm so much better than I was just in terms of like my patience and my engagement with my children. It's it's there. Um and the days of me losing my temper and getting frustrated or kind of wanting to like be away from the noise and the high touch environment like 
that has shifted dramatically, but it's also something I don't know that I'll ever get to the point where I want to be in terms of my parenting, but I'm, I'm pursuing growth there. And the fact that I recognize that and that I'm prioritizing it and that I'm doing the hard work makes me feel really good because for a time during burnout, anything that challenged me, you know, anything set me off. And, um, I don't, I I know that I did not permanently damage my relationship with my kids. And I know that if I were to ask them, they'd be like, no, you were awesome. We knew you loved it. Like it wasn't an air quotes, bad parent, but I did not live up to my own standards. And that has changed. And, And even my friendships, which are near and dear to me, I, this summer was able to take a few days away and I went to Maine and had an incredible vacation with some of my very best girlfriends who I've known since I was literally a teenager. So these are the girls that I uh, met when we were on a the same dorm floor in the same dorm our freshman year of Syracuse University, which was in 1998. So I'm not kidding when I say I was a teenager and this was decades ago. I have known these women my entire life. They knew me before I was me. And for a number of years during this annual get together, I think that I was probably a bummer to be around. And I was stressed and tired and all of the things I shared with you at the beginning of this in terms of the symptoms that I felt, even when I wasn't in burnout, I was always just stressed and anxious and I sort of, you know, I don't know. I've never really asked them how they felt. Um, I think, to be honest, I'm not sure I want to hear what the perception of me was in those few days that we got together every year. But I do know that I probably was not like the fun, bubbly, optimistic friend to be around. Or when I was, it was like I overcompensated. <laughs> it was like, okay, I'm away from work. I'm away from my friends. Like, I mean, because I traveled with my laptop. Like, I, I would be checking Slack like on the beach with my friends for a, a few of those years. So point is, this year, went back up and didn't travel with my laptop, barely checked my phone. I was present. I had great conversations with these women and enjoyed the experience and did not think once about work, did not worry about what I was missing, did not feel like I had to come back and make up for it. I just re-energized and replenished. And that's what PTO is supposed to be in a corporate environment. And I just didn't experience that when I was especially in the last year where I was really falling into burnout. And that's just a short list. I mean, again, I, I use words like happy and joy and peace. And I do things, which this sounds really minor and maybe trivial, (laughs) but I do things like sit on the couch with a dog at my feet and a blanket on my lap and I write and I let myself be creative and comfortable and not tethered to a desk or in back-to-back meetings. I, I take walks every single morning. Every single morning, I don't check my email or check Slack or worry about what text message might be coming in before 7 a.m. I allow myself the white space that then makes me so much better at the things that I do show up for. I've found 
a creative outlet on social media again. Uh, LinkedIn in particular, I could not, I can't wait to get up every morning and post something on LinkedIn because I feel like I am getting to be thoughtful and network and, and meet people and get different perspectives. And I'm not thinking about it as some tool for work to advance myself. I'm just genuinely enjoying the community. Same with TikTok. I mean, there is so much more space now. Uh, actual like literal space in my calendar, but also mental space and energetic space. And I don't think that I really let myself believe that this is how it could feel. So if you are listening to this and you're like, yep, I, I know like you're, you're describing me or I've gone through that or a friend of mine is, is doing, is, is dealing with that or a team member. I don't know how to help them. Here's the hard part there's very little that you can do for them if they are anything like me. <laughs> um, I had a lot of people who were well-intentioned and well-meaning who did have these conversations and they got through. I've shared before, I had sort of back-to-back interventions, one with a very close friend and colleague of mine and then also my husband, and they were loving and helpful uh, conversations, but they didn't leave much room for talk back or any discussion. It was like, this is how you are. This is how I feel when I'm around you. This is what I won't tolerate anymore. Make a decision. And I'm thankful that those conversations happened. That was definitely an instigating moment in my life. In addition to having a conversation where I essentially, um, you know, spoke with the leadership team uh, that I was working with and let them know that, you know, I felt like I was in a place where I couldn't continue to do what I was doing. I needed a break. And that's where, (laughs) again, not to get into the nitty gritty too much because that part's actually the least interesting now. Um, But, you know, I I did take a mental health sabbatical and I'm very soon into that um, was notified that my position was, was being terminated and I would not be returning to the office and that kicked off the whole sequence of decisions and behavior changes that allowed me to be where I am today. Again, plus lots and lots of therapy, (laughs) cannot stress therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy or talk therapy. Um, I did a number of other kind of interventions on the therapy side and, um, and I still um, pursue therapy and I'm working on my mental health to this day. I know that all of those things have allowed me the space to find who I am and where I am today. And I don't know for sure what tomorrow or next week or the next year will bring. I imagine there will be challenges, whether it's work-related challenges or personal or, you know, I, I don't, it's not, I, I will always be a little bit of a worrier. <laughs> we'll always want to look ahead for what's going to trip me up so that I can avoid it if I can. Um, but I recognize that two things can exist in that space at least. And I can be thinking of that, be mindful of that, be careful of what's ahead and make good choices or the best choices that I have in front of me. And I can also just be deeply grateful and thankful for how I physically and emotionally feel right now. And um, that's why I wanted to record this episode. (laughs) It's also probably something I'll listen back to if I ever find myself slipping again, because something I've learned uh, from people that love me too, is that now I look different. Like my face physically looks different. My skin looks different. My energy is different. The way I carry myself is different. The tone of my voice is different. The way that I look and sound and feel and act now compared to a year ago, apparently is quite clear to people that knew me then and people that know me now. And so if I ever start to slip again, 
I'll have this to compare to. It's like a dear diary. Life is so good right now recording. And so if nothing else, I'm selfishly appreciative that I will have this for the history books. So you may not be in a place where you can believe that it gets this good either. And I get that, but I want you to hear this and at least mentally bookmark it because at some point you will either get to a point where you can't stand it anymore and you can't, you you know, you're either at rock bottom or you're facing down rock bottom and it's terrifying and you think, man, if I'm going to do something, uh, you know, why not try getting help? This is your message. Mentally bookmark this and just come back and say, I remember when Katie talked about her story. Because for me, it's like I, I thought that I needed to make changes and then things got a little bit worse and a little bit worse and a little bit worse and then I made the change. So that may be part of your story too. Um, but please do ask for help. And it could be as simple as reaching out to me your DMs to me, your emails to me, they will always stay private between us. That is sacred. And so if you're not sure who else you can even talk to, even if you're not ready to be fixed, you know, you're not ready for a solution. You just want to talk about it. DM me, reach out to me. And if not me, a therapist, DM me and I'll help you find a therapist. Um, Talk therapy was monumental for me going through this and equipping myself with some of these behavioral changes and tools that I now use to this day. And so I deeply believe that therapy is right for probably everybody, but certainly for anybody who is starting to experience these symptoms. So thank you for listening. If you've gotten this far, thank you for going on kind of an emotional journey with me with some real low lows, but also some high highs. And the takeaway is that Life is amazing. And if you don't feel that the majority of the time, just know that there are opportunities for you to make scary changes, but beautiful, beautiful things can come as a result. And I want that for you. And I believe in you. So be well. And thanks as always for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Talents show. For more, follow at Rising Tide Talents on Instagram and visit risingtidetalents.com. You will find show notes, resources, and much more from today's episode. It's all at risingtidetalents.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick. You can find me at kwidrick. Until next time, remember, a rising tide lifts all ships. Rising tide lifts all ships. Rising tide